0: Hey, my name is Shara O'Neill. This is my husband, Trey. Um, we uh, have been married for 19 years. Last Monday, we celebrate our 19th anniversary. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys. I don't know when our... We didn't really tell them when to put our pictures up, so let's we'll just put them up whenever. Um, we've got four kids. We attend here and serve here and re-engage. So this is our story. Thank you guys for being here on this Freezing cold night and thankful for y'all's safety and getting here too.
1: Um, yeah, so my name is Trey. Uh, I was born in Oklahoma and was raised in a fiercely competitive alpha male environment uh, as the third born of four boys. Focus, on, focus in my house was on church, God, athletics, and education uh, in that order. They were highlighted in my household. My parents were strong believers and a great model of commitment in marriage. And although I knew they had disagreements, I never questioned that they were in it for life. Uh, Because girls other than my mom were never around our house growing up, I was typically very uncomfortable and insecure around them. I was introduced to pornography at age 13, and it was present in my life in various forms uh, until just about five years ago so well into our marriage. My teenage years were filled with doubt regarding my status with God. I claimed to love Him and follow Him, but in practice, I pursued desires of my flesh and never pursued a daily relationship with Him. Most of the time, this left me simply hoping that uh, a prayer I'd prayed when I was about nine would be enough to get me to heaven. Uh, My life was uh, defined by Paul's words in Titus 3.3. Once we, two were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. By my 22nd birthday, I had attended uh, three different universities, had no credit to show for it. It was breaking off inappropriate relationships with uh, other girls because Shara and I had found out that she was pregnant, uh, out of wedlock with our first child. After a three-week engagement, I found myself married to a girl I'd known less than a year, and we would be parents soon.
0: I also grew up in a Christian home as the youngest of four kids. I accepted Christ when I was five, um, and I went to Christian school my entire life, and we were always in church every time the doors were open. We were usually serving in some capacity. I had a godly heritage passed down even from my grandparents, but much of it was rooted in legalism and not really dealing with heart issues and understanding God's love for me. So Trey and I met in February of my freshman year of college. He had transferred into our small Christian college and definitely was the new Texan on campus. It was up in Wisconsin, so it was kind of like a different, What? what's the word? Different nationality almost. (laughs) This guy with the southern drawl wearing boots. Um, I had just gotten out of a relationship and I had really no interest in dating him initially, but we got um, to know each other um, pretty quickly and that feeling went away. We enjoyed being with each other so much. Things started out pretty slow, but after he came back from summer break to play football, our relationship progressed very quickly. Within a few months, we were sexually active, and a couple months after that, we found out that I was pregnant. I never questioned, for me, what the next step would be. I loved him, he loved me, and we were having a baby. So we were married just a few weeks after we told our parents of the news, and our honeymoon period ended basically before it even started. We quickly found out that I don't handle pregnancy well and was sick the entire nine months, We didn't have any type of community to spur us on through this hard stage of life, and so we were left to figure out this whole marriage thing on our own. In the first year, I also found out about Trey being unfaithful while we were dating, and I was completely blindsided by this, and it definitely added to the stress. I remember hearing growing up that your first-year marriage is your easiest. Well, I was committed, but I thought, man, I am in for a really long life. Um, we still enjoyed being together, but all of the outside stressors made for were some really difficult times. Our family continued to grow in these first few years. We had our third child right after we celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary. If you're counting, that's roughly 27 months of sickness. Our marriage was not bad at that point, but I'd say most of our early years were marked by mediocrity. We went to church, but we were a far cry from being true Christ followers. We looked good enough on the surface, and honestly, even if you could see what was going on in our home in the day-to-day, but we were not really loving each other well or seeking to follow what the Bible's view of marriage was.
1: So I met Shara in church, uh, in the church while I attended while in college in Wisconsin. Her personality immediately put me at ease, and we always had a great time together. After we got married... I dropped out of school and went to work full-time. I still carried considerable doubt about my relationship with Christ. I claimed that I was a Christian, but as I looked at my past, all I saw was damaged relationships, hurt, and no pursuit of a relationship with Jesus when left to my own devices. In the months following our marriage, I wrestled with assurance of my relationship with Christ So many bad choices in my past, combined with continual sin struggles, had me in a place where I wasn't sure. Finally, I came to a place where I accepted that my salvation was dependent on Christ's assurance in John 5, 24. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Uh, I enjoyed married life. Shara and I have always had a great time together, gotten along well. But my relationship with Christ uh, looked a lot like sitting in church on Sunday, uh, most of the time trying to be a really good guy and reading Bible stories to my kids. Shara was always uh, very plugged into church. I saw her spend regular, individual time in the Word. For the most part, we got along pretty well. But when we would disagree over finances, parenting, or other life decisions, uh, Cher would approach me and ask if I was spending time alone with God. Uh, She would beg me to step up and be the spiritual leader of our family, urge me out of the complacency and complete uh, selfishness and passivity that defined my existence. My approach at that time was to tell her what she wanted to hear to get her off my back And then continue on with whatever distraction I could find. I would read a devotional book and pray anytime our backs were against the wall financially or if we had a big decision coming up.
0: So Texans really like to be in Texas. So after our first few years of marriage in Wisconsin, we moved to Texas. Things mainly stayed the same, but we added in one more baby. And we began to have turmoil with extended family that lived in the area and for me, the move also brought along this whole idea of looking like I had had it all together and portraying a perfect life. We had great friends at church, but still no authentic community. When our youngest was about a year and a half, we decided it would be a great time for us both to go back to school. We were obviously delusional. Um, Trey wanted to finish his master's, and I wanted to finish up my undergraduate degree. So the fall of 2009 proved to be a very busy one. Trey was teaching and coaching and in school, and I was in school, and um, coaching also, and tutoring, and all while trying to be a stay-at-home mom to four young kids. I deal with craziness pretty well, but during the season, I stopped having my personal daily time in the Bible. There just wasn't enough time for everything to get done, and it was one of the first things to go. I was not putting on the armor of God that is talked about in Ephesians 6 to be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Satan was about to attack our family, and I was not making any preparation for this battle. We had some family friends from church that we spent quite a bit of time with on the weekends. They were just a little bit older than us. We enjoyed being with them and even in some ways really looked up to them. The husband began calling me on the phone, and it was always for good reason And I didn't keep anything from Trey about it initially, but soon the calls became more frequent. I knew something was off, but I just thought, it's no big deal, I can handle it. Um, But the relationship began to grow at a pretty quick pace. I didn't go looking for an affair, but I found myself in the middle of one in no time at all. It grew emotionally and before long sexually as well. And every hurt that Trey had ever caused me and was never really dealt with, became my justification for continuing on. And then once it reached a certain point, I just thought there was no going back to Trike because he would never forgive me. I stayed in it um, because it was just the path I thought I um, had chosen and now I had to deal with it. The family relocated within a few months and the fair continued emotionally for about seven more months during this time I had isolated myself from my friends and family and I was driving myself crazy trying to keep up with my sin. I hardly slept, I hardly ate and I was a mess. I believed every lie Satan had told me and I had become a slave to it all. John 8:34 says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin." Despite the fact that as a little girl, I had asked Jesus into my life, and I wanted nothing more than to live in that freedom. I was enslaved to my sin and keeping up with it. I had quenched the Holy Spirit, and I was fighting a losing battle on my very own. The whole relationship came to a screeching halt about nine months after beginning, in the middle of the night, complete with words neither of us um, had ever heard each other say and a whole lot of screaming. I had been found out, and I really thought that this was the end of our marriage. Trey would never take me back after finding out the truth. I was proven wrong, and after the initial shock, he started hiding, fighting hard for us and our family. He prayed over me and reading scripture to me that first night. He left for work the next morning, and when I woke up, I opened up my Bible, and I began reading in the Psalms. This was the first time I'd opened up my Bible since it had all started about nine months prior. I began reading in Psalm 51, where David is pleading that God create a new heart, a clean heart, and restore him. I was broken. I asked God to forgive me. I ended the relationship, and when Trey got home, I asked him to forgive me, and his words were, I have my wife back.
1: That fall, uh, the fall that I began grad school, Sharon and I began to really drift apart I was busy with schoolwork and spending time with a guy from church, playing tennis and whatever else we could come up with to do. I generally ignored anything serious at home, and when Cher and I had disagreements, they would quickly escalate, and I would try to hurt her with what I said. I found out about Cher's affair one night when we were home alone. Our kids were in Colorado and were thankfully spared uh, those initial just wheels off moments that night. Following the blow-up, I remember sitting in our kitchen uh, that that night facing the reality that my wife was going to leave me and I was on on my way to being a single dad. Uh, The next day I met with two pastors that I had known for a long time. I was advised to not let anyone know what had occurred and given some books to read on the topic of forgiveness. They also offered to listen anytime I needed to talk. In the first year after the affair came to light, I was so eager to distance from those uh, difficult days, and I was so insecure about whether or not uh, Shara loved me or would stay around. Uh, so I dove headfirst into every Bible-based marriage resource I could find. I prayed continually, asking God to protect Shara's heart and break the emotional bonds that were formed through the affair. I prayed that the Lord would help me to forgive her. I prayed for the man involved that the Lord would help me to forgive him because I certainly didn't want to. One passage the Lord brought me to quickly is James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Early on, I could not understand how I could be expected to give thanks for what had happened. But as Cher and I, re- uh, but as I saw Shara restored and our relationship began to heal, it became easier for me to see how the Lord is able to work all things for good. The next two to three years were a roller coaster for me. I was in a pattern of looking for security in Shara and trying to be the best husband I could be, and things were great. In those times when I was doing good, uh, I would pray periodically. I wouldn't really spend any time in the Word, and I would just try not to think about what had happened. Then the memories of what had happened would come crashing back. All I could focus on is how much pain I was going through. Shara, at those times, became a target, and all I wanted to do was hurt her so she'd know how bad that she'd hurt me. I went to church but spent little to no time in the Word on my own. I saw friends at church but did not share life and community with any of them. None of them knew at all what had happened. Uh, no one outside of Cher's parents and the two pastors I initially told knew at all. During this time, uh, the summer of 2011, Cher and I found reengaged through an online resource. And as we attended Open Group, it was so encouraging for to me to hear from other couples who had been where we had been and the Lord had seen them through it. Although Cher and I had both grown up in church, this was our first taste of biblical community. Once we had a closed group, it was such a relief to be able to share what had happened with others. Going through the lessons brought me face to face with what Jesus Christ did for me and always brought me to this question. Considering the forgiveness and love that Jesus extends to me in the face of my guilt and shame, what could Shara possibly do that I could not forgive her for? I don't expect to ever be able to fully wrap my mind around the gospel, how a perfect father could send his perfect son to take all my sin on him and die in my place so that I can have a relationship with Christ and one day enter heaven. For the first time in my life, I had to consider the gospel and how my response to it would then affect me on a very real level within my marriage. Colossians 3.13 is clear. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Through a series of events related to our jobs and family, Cher and I found watermark in the spring of 2014. Uh, Simply put, life has never been the same. I have constantly been spurred on by teaching each Sunday and also been so blessed to run with men who walk daily with the Lord. They know God's word and let it direct their lives and encourage me and lovingly hold me accountable to do the same. Our marriage is far from perfect, difficult days still come. I have learned that the best thing I can do with any circumstance is trust that God loves me more than I'll ever understand, faithfully thank him for allowing it in my life, and ask him to use it to draw me closer to him. For a long time, I asked God, why this? Of all all things, why did you allow this to happen to me? Now I look back and know that God in his unbelievable kindness was waking me up to the gospel, which is something I'd heard my whole life, and it went in one ear and out the other, uh, which is his, his incredible love and sacrifice for me. I'm so thankful for the Lord's grace and mercy and that his goodness has allowed, to stay, has allowed our family to stay together as a unit. Most of all, I'm thankful that Titus 3.3 3 is not the end of my story, Verses four and five say, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit.
0: So despite growing up in a a Christian home and church, it took God saving our marriage for me to understand how much he really loves me. He loved me enough to show me grace at my very worst and to revive our dead marriage. That being said, the restoration process between two broken and hurt people is never easy. Um, My dad is a man of few words, but he gave me some great advice in the beginning and reminded me that even though I might be good to go and ready to get past it and ready to move on, that others, in this case Trey, they may not be in that place. And that was so good for me just to, when we weren't really in the same place and he was hurting, just to know, you know what, it just, it still hurts, even though I'd love to be on the other side of it. God has also taught me so much through the hurts in our marriage. One thing he's taught me is that I desperately need him. 1 Peter 5 8 tells me that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Satan knows what I like, what I don't like, he knows when I'm frustrated with Trey and when I'm down on life, and he wants nothing more than to see our family fall prey to him. Being good enough because I go to church and I'm generally good does not cut it when you're being attacked. I continually have to arm myself with his word and surround myself with people who care enough to speak truth into me. Our reengage group, along with a few other friends, have allowed us to process and heal according to the promises of the Bible, which we're so thankful for. Another thing he has shown me is that God wants to deliver me from the chains of sin and he has the power to do so. Romans 6, 6 says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Not only has God forgiven me of my sin, but he has also set me free from the shame and the guilt. I don't have to be labeled as adulterer but can be labeled as forgiven and daughter of the one true king, something only a loving and perfect father could orchestrate. The allure that that sin had on me is gone, and the guilt has been paid for. Lastly, God has shown me that his way is perfect. I've done a pretty good job of getting off the track from the life that God wants to give me. I've seen, but I've seen firsthand his promise or his goodness when I obey and seek to live like him. Even doing hard things like sharing this story with our kids has allowed us to talk to them about how good and how gracious God is and how good he's been to our family. 1 Timothy one sixteen says, But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners, which is our kids a lot of times, but also myself. (laughs) Um, Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to wrap my, my mind around this idea that God has taken the ugliest moments of my life, the darkest times, and he's made them into the most beautiful story that I will never get tired of sharing a story that ultimately points to a God who loves all of us, who sacrificed his best, his one, and his only perfect son for our worst. He is the one who wants to take our ugly, shameful moments and make them into a story that will give others hope and ultimately show how good and gracious he is. Thank you all for letting us share how good God's been to our marriage and our family.